You're sitting at your computer screen one night alone in the darkness. Outside, the moonlight trickles down faintly through the ancient dead elms. In the distance, you hear an unearthly scream. High above in the clouds, an eerie light dances this way and that, signaling to something on the hilltop nearby. In your attic, strange whispers chitter your name in the darkness. In the corner of your eyes, the flash of glowing irises and salivating fangs. Upon turning to face them, they are suddenly gone. It's all in your imagination, you said. So you reach down to your computer's power button. You turn it on. As the screen flickers to life, you suddenly see it. Your email has been completely filled with awesome questions from dozens of totally awesome fans. It's the first annual Tales, Tales from, from the, the Fan, fan Mail Mail episode. Kill me now. Kill me now. All right, welcome. <laughs> welcome back to Paranoia Shop, episode eight. It came from fan mail. This is our first ever fan mail episode. And only some of the fan mail is real. Most of it's real. Most of the fan mail is real. Welcome to Paranoia Shop. I'm Chad. Uh, no, I don't want to do it. I'm Chad as well. <laughs> I'm sticking to my guns. I believe in who I am. It's Chad and Chad, the Chads. You no, know, I'm Aaron. And, and I'm this, Chad. And this is your one stop shop for all things conspiracy, paranormal, and weird. Uh, where we probably make fun of them all. Uh, and this is a very special episode because this is our first ever episode dedicated entirely to the fan mail. Fans, this is all for you, fans. Diplomacy, democracy, people speaking their minds. These are all things we're celebrating tonight. And also <laughs> tweets. <laughs> also tweets, which don't fall under any of those. You guys have been tweeting at us, you guys have been emailing us, and you even have been sending us suggestions on what topics you would like to hear us talk about. So, for the next hour, Chad and I will be dedicating ourselves, our minds, and our souls to answering your questions about the supernatural, ourselves, and those spooky topics that you have been craving. Well, first of all, let me just say, for all you guys listening out there, thank you for doing that. Uh, for tweeting? Everyone out there is listening, who's tweeting, who's emailing. Uh, we do read it. That's pretty much why we do this, is for your entertainment and edification. So it's yeah, great no, to know totally. you guys are out there. I was also trying to get like a Doritos deal out of this, but totally. <laughs> no, I mean, also, no, genuinely, we love hearing feedback because there is nothing more, if I may speak for a moment, there is nothing more likely to feel like you're just shouting out into the void than podcasting. <laughs> you may as well be shouting at your wall. We have so well, we don't have any much more. I wanted to, I really want to make it seem like we had a time. We actually <laughs> we hit the we hit we the bare minimum for fan mail. To fill a full hour. <laughs> <laughs> Just a quick refresher. If perchance you guys want to keep sending us email and tweets, as we've told you before, our email is paranoia shop s h o p p e at gmail.com. Now let me count you off. You're not going to get that email right on this show. No. That's not how time works. Unless you works. send it right now. That's not how time send works. Send it right now. Not how time works. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> Other places you can contact us at. You can also tweet at us. We have a Paranoia Shop Twitter page. Uh, or twi Is that a thing? Twitter page? God Twitter damn handle? it. Why am I putting you in charge of the social media? Internet. So we have a Twitter. We have an email. We have our own personal Twitters. We yes. have a website, paranoiashop.com. We'll take you to the main explosive magical feed right now. There are plenty of places you can you can contact us at. Which you have been. We don't have an Instagram. We don't have a Vine. We don't have a Pinterest. We don't have a Tumblr. We should probably get on that. No, we don't need them. <laughs> Anywho, you know, we've been doing this for, I guess, eight months now. That's uh, weird. Thereabouts. Uh, this is our eight episode. Over the last few months, you guys have had a fair number of suggestions and compliments. Questions for us, both as paranoiacs and as... Not signing on. Not signing on. That's not the that's, name. Not signing that, off on that that's name That's the yet. noun version of paranoia. Ugh. Paranoia. Okay, go ahead. And just as people. So let's dive into the tweet bag, shall we? Tweaking up the tweet bag, tweet bag, coming down, tweet on tweet bag. 
<laughs> so our first tweet is from uh, Nicholas Arnold, a.k.a. at Nicholas Tesla. He said, Guys, Paranoia Shop is a new favorite podcast of mine. It's like Coast to Coast AM, but fun. Quantum Theory and Good Aaron are great hosts. Wait, okay. I didn't realize we were just reading compliments to ourselves. It's not. I didn't know that's what we well, were this is doing. A tweet section. No, it's really nice of him we're, to we're say. We're acknowledging it. him. I and thought saying, we Thank were you. That feels great. things. It does feel great. <laughs> I didn't realize that this podcast thing was going to be, guys, we're doing pretty great. Well, we just wanted to say thank you, Nicholas so thank Tesla. You, that Nicholas made us Tesla. feel great. Um, let's, uh, address, let's try to address every tweet on some level besides yeah. just thank you. Yes. Coast to Coast AM. I don't know what that is. I do. It's hosted by a guy. Nope. That, not- it's not, it's, but basically, it's, it's like a weekly crazy person call-in show on AM radio. So it's coast. To, we're coast to coast AM, but fun. So coast to case coast AM is a great show. Except that, that guy fun. takes it all seriously. Okay. Okay. And so it's, it gets a little scary sometimes. Okay. All right. But we're we're fun. Okay. We're the fun version of that. Oh God. Next tweet. This one's from our old friend Anthony Root, who sent us our first ever fan mail a little while yeah, ago. Yeah, that was great. Oh uh, God. Fan it was a pretty awesome little uh, image. If you or anybody else listening wants to send us more of that, we love it. We will tweet it. We will re- retweet it. I will print it out at Kinko's no bigger than 8 by 11 but I will print it out at Kinko's. Anthony Root said, Paranoia Shop is stupid ill like an 80s and 90s MC, <laughs> no not like modern America. Segment. No one wrote these tweets. Thank you, Anthony. I love 80s and 90s rap. I actually love the old school, like, my name's Fat Bugger and I'm here to say, like the Fat uh, Boys. I do like Sugar Hill Gang. Sugar Hill Gang's real great. Fat Boys is pretty awesome. No, Fat Boys were bad. They're dead. <laughs> they, all their raps were about food. They're dead though, right? I think they all died. Okay. They were in a movie called Caretakers. Really <laughs> I remember. Bad. I remember. I remember not watching that. <laughs> then we also got a cool tweet from L Rebelled, aka at X2375. And he said, yes, yes, yes. New paranoia shop. Looks like tomorrow morning is going to be awesome. Like, oh, no, I'm sorry. I can't take compliments. Midnight Marinara says, want some more spooky fun? Check out Paranoia Shop. Good Aaron. Good Aaron. Good Aaron. <laughs> the author of Our Little Roanoke is one of the hosts. Uh, yeah, Midnight Marinara is another podcast that actually adopted a uh, creepypasta that Aaron wrote and I turned into a show for my job at Polaris. You should check it out. It's pretty good. So, yeah, if we were to endorse another... another, another and then I suddenly become from the south of London. Another. Get yourself another podcast on your feed. Well, to be fair, I haven't listened to the other Midnight Marinara. It's episodes, actually quite good. But could be hate speech. Don't know. <laughs> it could be. But that was really cool of them to feature that. Wayne Priddle says, Just when you think the internet can't get any more insane, you watch Paranoia Shop by Quantum Theory and Good Aaron, and you realize you were wrong. The internet's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I saw a lady step on a cat's head one time on the internet. That, that was just sad. Where it was really sad. Actually, it bummed me out a lot. Really, yeah. really bummed me out a lot every time I think about it, actually. All right, from a guy we know, Nick Allen. That go to this prime. From uh, Ar- My Arms Are Lasers podcast. Tweet. God, this just shows how desperate we are for tweets. I finished your latest paranoia shop this morning. The sounds from hell scared the shit out of me. Nice work. Genuine, genuine statement. I think Nick genuinely freaked out about this. Yeah. That's something we got on actually a lot that I didn't think at all would happen in this podcast is people have listened to it and they say that they have to stop listening to it for long periods of time because it creeps them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe that just, maybe you're just trying to be nice and say so you don't want to listen to it anymore. But. I've gotten that from multiple people. We're not trying to scare you. Well, I'm trying to scare people. Oh, okay. I'm trying to scare them with the truth. I'm trying to inform them. Long John Syndra said, Just finished listening to the end of the Unexplained Sounds episode, and it made me angry with rage. Fucking tweets. Why do we do these things? Okay, for context, because it sounds like he's mad at us, or he's mad at Twitter as he's... I think what he was actually mad at, if you've listened to episode four, uh, one of the last things we featured on the Spooky Sounds episode of Paranoia Shop was, I revealed to Chad that we received this thing called the wow signal. We, as Earthlings, received this thing called the wow signal, which was, by all accounts, for all intents and purposes, an alien hello. Astronomers from around the world are expressing excitement about a radio signal coming from deep space. It was a signal from outer space that was like, basically an alien language saying, hi, how are you? We made a big old time capsule of data and sent it out into space. And, and some of it included dumb celebrity tweets, including yeah. like Miss Universe. Our, our response to that alien hello was Miss Universe saying, hello, I am I am from Earth and I believe that aliens are fun and sexy. And that was the response. 
You know, that was probably the only way you could have done an accent that wasn't offensive. That was like good. It was like a German, it was like it was, German, Ukrainian, Brazilian. I was going for yeah, vaguely European. Yeah, that's world good. traveler. But yes, to, to answer your question, Long John Sindra, Mister Scare Troll. Uh, yes, it made us very angry too. If you couldn't tell at the end of that podcast, episode four, I, check it out. Episode four, check it out. We almost self-implode with rage. Uh, okay. L. Ribadell said, I don't have TFL. Can I still talk to you guys? Also, Ellen Page wouldn't be so bad. I don't remember the context of that tweet. That was referencing our Internet Detectives episode, episode five. One of the segments we did was on the really depressing TFL movement. Oh, true force loneliness. Out, out to get you. Yeah. Also, Ellen Page wouldn't. Ellen Page is pretty great. You hear stuff in Hollywood. You hear stuff in Hollywood's like, yeah, actually, my sister dated Ellen Page. Oh. I'm just saying, it makes a lot of sense. Why I'm not dating Ellen Page right now. You're you're kind of ruining El Rebelde's fantasy, though. I uh, know El Rebelde. I'm sorry, dude. I had that same thing. Ellen Page is like super, super adorable and lovable, and got that weird like tomboy sex thing going on. And now you can see all her nude bits in Beyond Two Souls. <laughs> but we don't know El Rebelde's gender. We're just assuming our gender is guys. That's actually true. We're we assuming our demographic is guys. Very, very terrible of us. Commander Holly, new friend of the show. Yes. Uh, future guest of the show. Commander Holly. Shh, that's a secret. Shh, oh, well, now we've, now we've, now, now we've Spoiler. put it in the air. Uh, on episode four of Paranoia Shop, totally love being reminded of some amazing paranormal stories I'd forgotten about. Love it. Yeah, she actually listened to all the episodes that night. We hooked her. We hooked Commander Holly. Femship. We hooked Femship, essentially. Femship. Commander Holly, you might recognize. She's From everything. She's in everything. She was most recently on Sci-Fi Channel's Heroes of Cosplay. Mm-hmm. She's one of the stars. Uh, season 2 coming Comic soon. Comic book the movie. Sorry. This, so get I used can't to handle compliments and promotions. I'm terrible. I know. That's why I've never succeeded in life. All right, I so love Holly. Can't wait to have her on the show. She's going to do great. So, guys, thank you so much for those tweets. We obviously do read them, and if you keep tweeting, you may get it read aloud on the air. You might get it read aloud months later on the air in a fan mail <laughs> A segment. year later. Segment. All right, let's zip up the tweet bag. Tweet bag going away. Tweet bag. Not going to see it ever again. Oh, yes, you will. Yeah. Email. Let's well, what do you want to do next? Do you want to do emails, or do you want to jump into like a couple of the actual suggestions? Um, let's get into some emails. So we, I feel like we can just transition based on length. Like Twitter was just like the little snacks, the little chips. Yeah, that was just like before you go into zip, zip, zip. More just like want to acknowledge. Like, thank you so much for saying it. Emails, some questions we actually kind of respond a little bit more to and go up and based off of. Uh, and then we'll go into like some actual topic suggestions we can, sure. we can touch on. So you, so those of you who are like, I really don't like fan interactions. We've got some content for you. We got some content for you at the end. You're gonna have to wait. Yeah. Emails. Let's have some emails. We got a few emails. E- Let's open up the email sack. Email bags coming in. Email fuck, sack. Fuck email you, sack. Twitter bag. Email sack. <laughs> Email sack is better than Twitter bag. (laughs) (laughs) Emails. Emails. Nick the Goat asks, what are some dreams you guys have had that turned out to become true? Like somehow your subconscious saw the future. I don't know, Nick the Goat. Uh, I actually pretty much believe that deja vu is, I, this sounds crazy. I think deja vu is, is future predicting today, today, uh, at work, we were shooting an episode of, of holodeck, my show at work, uh, Neil friend of friend of the show, um, was having trouble saying a specific line and stumbling over the words and almost instantaneously. I recalled being in that position, sitting at that set, looking over at Neil and him having trouble saying that word. Just that level of like, oh, I remember this. I remember so you had a deja vu that from what you think was a dream. Yeah, kind of like I feel like a lot of them come from like dreams of like, oh, this I totally uh, like a long forgotten dream. Are you sure it wasn't a glitch in the Matrix? Mm, it could be a glitch in the Matrix also reprogram. I genuinely believe like deja vu. It's just too weird. It's a, it's the strangest feeling to come well, to someone. Okay, well I I have had deja vu, very strong deja vu, as if like I had dreamed it in a dream. But not to ruin deja vu for you guys. Oh, God damn it. But I'm about to ruin deja vu. No, it's so fun. It is fun. It's cool, but not for the reasons you're thinking. We don't have deja vu figured out. Well, here's the thing. Have you ever had a dream, written down that dream, and then eight months later, it happens that day, and you look at your written down dream journal, and you're like, oh my God, it happened. No, because I don't ever remember them. Exactly. Here's what deja vu actually is. Mm -hmm. Deja vu is the part of your brain that assigns significance and recognition misfiring. 
Hmm. So the reason it feels so strong as if I have seen this before is because the one part of your brain that's dedicated to recognizing things you've seen before is activated. I still think it's future prediction. It could be that you too. haven't you haven't convinced me with your science. Okay. I think it's just so cool. It, it is. I mean, it's a fantastic phenomenon. It's like drugs without drugs. Uh, I will say most of my actual dreams are usually uh, post-apocalyptic survivor kind of adventures, like alien invasion, me and a group of people holding out doing a last stand kind of thing as as kind of space marines or zombie apocalypse. Usually like that. They're usually like eight so to ten hour. They're usually eight to ten hour epics of where I was just trying to survive. So those have, haven't happened yet. So we're well, okay. As you know, Chad, I think I've told you and many people before, my recurring dream dreams my nightmares are some of the lamest most nerdy nightmares ever it's never mm-hmm. like that i die we like go to dinner i go to dinner with with like a celebrity that i i strongly admire and i've gone out to dinner with like wes anderson in my dreams i've gone out to to like get drinks with dan Harmon in my dreams your and dreams then, are pure then, on like your inner hopes like i hang out with them everything's going great and like i'm introduced to them having with tina fey once i was hanging out with tina fey <laughs> you didn't even like kiss tina fey on the mouth no no, no. she was like an, a loving boss <laughs> yeah and, that's like the, you don't even like have the fun and, fantasy <laughs> where you're like a writing partner with her no it was, like, i was a writer's assistant on the sh- on i know Rock. that's to say like you're you're i have that same thing like all my dreams i usually like unless it's like a crazy adventure i give myself like a reasonable small prize like yeah. i don't have sex with a girl i like see her boob that's like the thing that i, I was like oh well that's I, don't, ba- I don't shoot for the stars well, that's basically what my are they're just very realistic like a friend of a friend introduces me to tina fey and we're kind of like hitting it off i crack a joke and they're like oh this guy could tell a joke and then and it starts <laughs> to go perfectly and the whole evening oh, is I like totally oh my understand. god in the back of my head it was like oh my god i'm becoming friends with dan Harmon. i'm and becoming then- friends with this and then right at the end of the night when everyone's about to pack up and they're about to say hey we should hang out again like just as that happens i crack a joke and it's like it offends them. It's the worst thing I could yeah. have said. Yeah. And then they got like the smile fades from their face. The, the light goes out of their eyes. And then Dan Harmon turns to his friends like, let's go. Let's get out of here. Well, to be fair, let's you shouldn't have told guy. Tina Fey the, hey, what's funnier? Five <laughs> six to sweep all this out. <laughs> Those are my dreams. And they have not come true, thankfully. But I've also yet to really <laughs> hang out with Wes Anderson, Dan Harmon, or Tina Fey. That's a good question, though. Uh, Mike Leong asks, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that. Mike Leong asks, why do you guys think that certain legends endure? The Loch Ness Monster has been sighted for far longer than the lifespan of any animal, excepting maybe those giant tortoises, but it still endures. Same goes for Sasquatches and most other cryptids. Feeding things like gene pools, feeding grounds, and other hurdles to most of these creatures actually being things, why do these stories endure? Is it mankind's insistence to force everything, even the unknowable, to make sense? Is it an inherent need to have everything to fit into a narrative because if it's a story, we can exert some control over it? Really, really well thought out question. Uh, I guess part of the problem with it is to compare, you need to know the legends that people forgot, right? And you can look at, I guess you can look at fables a little bit more that we, now we look at like, yeah. like Krampus, right? Like well, They're kind of archetypal figures that kind of help us understand the world. And I, I guess it's probably just it's probably a matter of age. Like I, I kind of have a feeling that, given another you know hundred years, there's going to be even fewer people who think Loch Ness are real. Oh, Loch Ness, sure. Loch Ness becomes Loch Ness then becomes like a children's fairy tale that you tell to people around that area. Like the story of Nessie and the the lizard under the lake that took care right. of all the people. But there, there. aren't going to be people who actually think that there is a plesiosaur living in a, a lake that can barely sustain. Yeah, I think I think some of these kind of last because. It, as far as our mind, the the limited knowledge, since the fact that people think believe they've seen Sasquatch thirty years ago, they think that they can continue it. I mean, that's kind of a that's not really answering the question like why do people think they see Sasquatch in the first place? But as long as people still have those like kind of hopes that oh no, if someone saw one like ten years ago, they're still right. alive, they're still breeding. I I personally think it's not so much as a desire. The reason we want to believe in vampires or we want to believe that someone who saw a goat man in the woods or whatever. I think those legends endure and. It, we want to think that they're real is because the idea that we know everything is really boring and kind of depressing. And the idea that there's always that wiggle room, that maybe there's still a little mystery in the world, that maybe that there's, there's undiscovered uncharted lands 
Like that is what keeps, I think, mythology alive, whether it's in creepypasta or whether it's in some undiscovered zelacanth hybrid that's running amok with syringes of HIV. (laughs) That's terrifying. Uh, I like like, that monster. People want to believe that there's that we don't know everything. And that's kind of I don't want to think we know everything. We don't know everything. No, I think also part of it, though, is the 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 creatures that endure the ones that we talk about as favorite fables and and children's tales now they everything about them rings of just an ancient thought of how life is lived like oh this goblin's gonna totally get you if you're behaving badly like oh that's clearly like we just scared kids to be good by telling them there were monsters right right like, now we've kind of moved on into our minds of we we pretty much are aware of everything in our houses at all the times. Like we have lights and heat detection and I'm not worried about a monster living in my, my cupboard, but I like to still think that there's something out there in the wilderness. Like right. the stories we told of like in the mountains in the Antarctic. Yeah. There's some unexplored territory. I can totally believe that. Hell, you could make connections to the same fear of goat man as the same fear of people who are worried about, you know, terrorists in the last like, Two decades. So let's move on to the next question. Joey Reinish of LOLJK. Hey, sister hey. podcast. Oh, is, it, is it a sister podcast if it's mostly dudes on it? Would it be yeah. more of a brother podcast? I think Kim's. I think. Would it be like. I mean, this a bad way. I think Kim's vagina trumps their three dicks. <laughs> it trumps all over. It trumps all. Not. I don't mean any kind of weird way of size and left and or right. like anything like that. Just I think the power of it. Joey Reinish asks. Hello, shopkeepers. I have a question. I like shopkeepers, actually. Can I be your people? Like people? Well, I guess we're shopkeepers, but like the shopkeepers make it sound like we're the crypt keeper. How about? All right, <laughs> can, can can listeners be called shoppers? Shoppers, like blue light shoppers or something. Well, just like we were paranoia shops. Those are shoppers. Shoppers. I like shoppers. Well, shipper, then, I mean, no, not some, shippers. That is, someone writes fan fiction about us having a relationship. Shipper together, shoppers. We'd be, they'd be shopper shippers. Shopper shippers. Shopper shippers. Yeah, I say shoppers. I'm on board with that right now. All right, shoppers. Shoppers. No one's going to use it. Joey asks, if you went to sleep one night and then suddenly woke up on a UFO, what would you do? I'm talking fire in the sky type shit. You're hooked up to various tubes and your vision is blurry. You're coated in some sort of goo and your butt is sore. Of course, Joey went to the yeah, probe. Of you course, Joey. Joey. You don't know how long you've been out and there is currently no one in the room with you. Also, you're probably naked. Love, Joey. Uh, my immediate thought is one of two things. You either pretend to be still out. But then they'll come at you thinking you're sedated. And it'll be like those awful surgery stories about people wake up in the middle of the surgery. Oh, no, no. Like, you're, you're waiting to spring on them. That's all I mean. What if they have knives and like alien knives? Oh, I mean, that's what I'm saying. You're either like going for a last-ditch effort of like, I'm going to take them when they're least expecting it. They think uh-huh. I'm sedated and I spring out and I grab an alien scalpel. I hope it's a scalpel and stab one and run. Or or you like deduce their meat. You know, maybe you can like, maybe if you stay on that that area for a while, you see that they're just bringing you beautiful alien concubines, and like, yeah, we just kidnap humans and make them mate with our own or whatever, right? Like, you don't know, <laughs> so you got to wait it out. The other thing I think to do is you could immediately just hide and run, but I think you're doomed, right? You don't know any. I think at all. that my first instinct would probably be to get up and start exploring the ship. You're just gonna start wandering. Yeah, I'm nude. I'm walking around, I'm covered in goo, but I'm, I'm going to be like, oh, here's some buttons or something. I'd be pretty scared of removing the tubes, honestly. Um, I got I to imagine if I'm thinking like you're hooked up to tubes and you're covered in like goo, like I got to imagine that they are not trying to, my, my immediate deduction is, uh, yeah, I'm not, they're not trying to help me. That's they my could first be call. keeping you alive though. It could be like if, a noxious if I couldn't remember uh, what my, gas in the ship. If I couldn't remember what happened before i'd give them the benefit of the doubt maybe they're helping me but if i was like oh i went to bed that night next thing i know covered in goo things <laughs> in my butt i'm going to assume they didn't pull me up here to just give me a back massage what if they discovered you had like a tumor and they were just taking it out for you maybe that's why i think you that's why i think you you stay that's why i think you stay in the dormant like sneaky position because also you stay and do whatever they ask think about think about in a, in a human hospital i'm just basing this off of movies whenever you start pulling out all of your Wires? Alarms start going off anyway, everywhere. I don't know. In Dallas Buyers Club, that saved his life. Because the Oscar-nominated Dallas no, Buyers no. Club. It it's, takes place in the 80s, and right. he contracts AIDS, right? Mm-hmm. Which the is a first, bummer. The first AIDS drug treatment out there, he finds out, is killing AIDS patients because it's way too powerful. It's like killing their immune systems. So he goes down to Mexico and starts bringing up like all these unapproved drugs. It's like curing people. And then he like has an, an episode and wakes up in the hospital and the hospital's been putting this this drug that is killing other people into his system. And he goes, ah, get that out of me. And he rips it out of him. It saves his life. Well, no, I don't mean like the, the medicine. So I just mean you have to, as soon as you start unplugging, they're going to know. 
Alien technology is going to have monitoring systems. I don't systems. know if they would. You don't think they're going to have monitoring for systems that know, as soon as you disengage the tube from your body? They don't even have eyes. They might, they might see in the, like, the ninth Then dimension. how do they get the tubes in? Do they just filter around like, whoop, and they just start sticking things around? Like, <laughs> Maybe the I tubes think we got, are always I think there. They, like, my butt sore because they missed. Maybe they teleported us to an alternate dimension where the tubes were always there. Mm, okay, sure. I'm just saying, start, like, aliens, we, we assume too much well, about then aliens. Then you might as well just stick and around and see what happens. I think the general response is generally, like, play dumb, play dead, stay, like, eyes closed, pretend like you're just in a very deep sleep, try to control your heart rate keep a slight eye open and then try to deduce what they're doing. If they're coming at you with weapons, attack instantly. If they're not, lay low, stay there, see what they do with you, and then make your move then. What if you kill them all and then the last guy comes in and he's like, we're about to give him the superpowers. What did you do? <laughs> uh, there, was a, there was a shadow man in here. He killed everyone. <laughs> Thanks for your email, I would Jay. just press a bunch of random buttons, hope uh, I could explore the universe. You just hope that you would just I just want to become warp. Doctor Who, okay? I know. I just so very they're badly want to become skin, Doctor Who. They're up your skin so bad. I will turn the alien ship into my TARDIS. They're going to cut up They're gonna cut your pee-pee. Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll use the ship against them. It'll fall in love with me because it's sentient. Okay, great. Um... <laughs> Let's get into a little bit of the actual topics sent to us. How about that? Sure. This is more of like a normal episode. <laughs> You've gotten some great suggestions from fans. We're always asking you guys for story suggestions. It's not because we're lazy. But just we want to hear what you guys think. And you guys have sent us some pretty cool suggestions on what to check out. So, without further ado, we'd like to have Tales from the Fan Mail Story Corner. They uttered out of the bag. Watch her out! I'm a talking bag. Do you want to go first? Or yeah, let me go. Let me go first. I got a nice little sampler one. Uh, so who, who sent us this one? Uh, we got a nice uh, voucher ones from Matt M. Thank Matt you, Matt M. Matt M. Also, just sounds more Sa- mysterious. Yeah, Matt, Matt M. M. Sent us quite a few. A few of these are from him. Uh, but, uh, Matt M. Thank you. You had some, had some really good ones. This is a thing. This is not a like a fable or a, mis- a mystery, but something that kind of exists on the outer edges. Okay. Scientists afflict computers with schizophrenia to better understand the human brain. They were trying to simulate the same idea of the excessive release of dopamine in the human brain. So they, uh, which is a problem, is in that the brain has a trouble of figuring out what to learn and what not to learn. Essentially, like it's okay. it's learning too much, which shouldn't be a problem. That's what happens with schizophrenics. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess so. I didn't know. It learns too much. Uh, they're taking in too much information and then not knowing how to, how to process, process how to and where and where that information goes. Interesting. Like you're just kind of downloading. Like you ever like download like a torrent. Uh-huh. With like my best mixes of tw- 2000 to 2010, which is the older like torrents, and yeah. it's just like all the songs, and they're not organized by artists very well. And you're like, I don't know how to start sorting through these. I know I have all the data here, but I can't find Ace of Base. I can't find I can't find Christina Aguilera. I'm screwed. Like that's kind of I think the idea of how schizophrenia works a little bit, and that you might be trying to connect them in different ways. This poor, poor system. They created a uh, electronic neural network called Discern, which is already just like, that just sounds ominous, right? Like Discern. Yeah. It's, uh, it's called concerning. Yeah. <laughs> at this at this college, uh, designed by a guy named whose last name I was never been pronounced called Mikulikulian. Uh, <laughs> okay. Discern was able to learn natural language. In the study, it was used to simulate what happens to language as a result of eight different types of neurological dysfunction. It began by teaching a series of simple stories to discern. So they created an artificial brain. They created an artificial like, like they, yeah, not like a brain in that they made like a gelatinous electronic thing. They made uh, a positron. Well, let me brain. let me explain this. So they made a neural network simulation. With neural networks, you basically train them by showing them examples over and over and over again. Every time you show an example, you say, if this is the input, then this should be your output. And if this is the input, then that should be your output. In order to model hyperlearning, they ran the system through its paces again, but with one key parameter altered. They simulated an excessive release of dopamine by increasing the system's learning rate, essentially telling it to stop forgetting so much. It's kind of vague how they say it's not learning so much, but they're basically crippling a newer a neural network, right? They're, they're and they hindering. gave it schizophrenia? They gave it schizophrenia. After being retrained with the elevated learning rate, the discern system began putting itself at the center of fantastical delusional stories that incorporated elements Wait. from other stories that had been told to recall. Wait, the computer started putting itself in the center of the stories? So yes. It was, the computer well, I'm was... Sure I'm sure they had they discern itself had its own view so, of itself so as an discern, entity. Just started to say, like, discern was walking down the street and Dis- and met his favorite character. Discern from totally put his finger in Katy Perry. <laughs> discern, discern, no. Discern There's ladies in the room. Uh, in one answer, for instance, discern claimed responsibility for a terrorist bombing. 
discerns it. I did that. What? So I mean, it's kind of a string of just nonsense, or they right? created, or they created a terrorist, and, the, and, and a discern actually did, and it that. has the ability to access the internet. They should have actually been like wet terrorist bombing. Was, was, was that one of the unsolved ones? They're just like lawnmower man. They yeah. just created a, an artificial Ted I mean, Kaczynski. It's honestly more confusing that it's poor and that they're they're creating not at all life, but they're creating something that's trying to imitate life and then just fuck it up. And it's like, <laughs> please kill me, please, yeah. please kill me. Discern, another, discern, hurt, discern, not know why it blames itself for things. <laughs> In another instance, discern began showing evidence of derailment, replying to requests for specific memory with a jumble of disassociated sentences. Oh yeah, like free association. Yeah, replying to requests for specific memory with a jumble of disassociated sentences, abrupt digressions, and constant leaps from the first to the third person and back again. So it's just losing track of who it is and where and what it is in, in relation to other things. Wow. Which is, I mean... We still have a very loose grip on what on what schizophrenia is. But the but, fact that they were able to get... But like That's a real schizophrenic symptom. But regardless of whether or not it's schizophrenic, they hurt that computer. They hurt that computer. They, they made a computer... <laughs> They made a computer that was trying to create relations, and you know, I, I guess I wouldn't be that far of like that would be something you'd want to how you'd eventually create an AI, right? You would create a, a giant supercomputer that had so many connections, yeah. ideas that it would eventually learn to like it relates to itself as human, and then it would make that connection and be like, you just kind of created a baby. You yeah, created it would make a, that connection, and then it would then when you tried to take it down by make giving it schizophrenia, it would make the connection humans bad. Well, or at least now you, destroy or at least now you made the that's how the robot goes bad. Where it just it just missed that one parameter. Must, must cure self by killing humans. Well, that's, that's essentially how all of those sci-fi stories go of like robot designed to protect Earth. Yeah. Humans bad for Skynet. Earth. Yeah, robots kill Earth. Like that's kind of how it. it no reasons, more humans. It reasons all the time. Then no humans left to protect. Therefore, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. That's a real thing. It's a that's real thing. Crazy. That's really crazy. Thank you. Yeah, thank thank you, you, Matt M. Thank you, Matt M. Mysterious Matt M. All right, Aaron. Which Aaron? Give me. Hit me with one. Okay, so we have yet another topic suggestion. This was also from Matt M. Matt M was killing it. Matt M says... Matt M was killing it. Might I suggest the toxic lady, Gloria Ramirez? Okay, go on. Perhaps you've heard of the tale of Gloria Ramirez, and perhaps you haven't. But Richard, this one... Is it Richard Ramirez? No. <laughs> has nothing to do with Richard Ramirez. Okay. But this one kind of spooked me out a little bit. Gloria Ramirez was a Riverside, California woman dubbed the toxic lady by the media when several Riverside General Hospital workers became ill after exposure to her body and blood. Oh. Gloria had two children and was a housewife. She was of Mexican descent and volunteered at an elementary school. At about 8.15 in the evening on February 19, 1994, Ramirez, suffering from the effects of advanced cervical cancer, was brought into the emergency room uh, by paramedics. She was extremely confused and suffering from bradycardia and chain-stokes respiration, which is basically heart problems. The medical staff injected her to sedate her. Uh, when it became clear that she was responding poorly to treatment, they tried to defibrillate her heart. At that point, several people saw an oily sheen covering Ramirez's body. What? She had venom. And she had some, venom. And some noticed a fruity, garlic-like odor that they thought was coming from her mouth. She had venom. A registered noose named Susan Kane attempted to draw blood from Ramirez's arm and noticed an ammonia-like smell coming from the tube. Fruity pebbles venom. She then passed the syringe to Julie Krasinski, who noticed a manila-covered particles were floating in the blood. At this point, Kane fainted and was removed from the room. Shortly thereafter, Gorshinsky began to feel nauseated. Complaining she was lightheaded, she left the trauma room and sat at the nurse's desk. A staff member asked her if she was okay, but before she could respond, she also fainted. She said, we are venom. <laughs> <laughs> we are legion. Maureen Welsh, respiratory therapist who was assisted in the trauma room, was, was the third to pass out. The staff was then ordered to evacuate all emergency rooms. Yeah, that sounds, like, that sounds like a new black plague just came in. Yeah, but it was like coming out of her oily, garlic-smelling blood. Oh. A skeleton crew stayed behind to stabilize Ramirez, and then after 45 minutes of CPR defibrillation, Ramirez was pronounced dead from kidney failure related to her cancer. Uh, so everyone freaked out. They were like, this has never happened before. Well, that, right. Like, mystery smells and also gases. Also, can I add that, like, it's not like you just keep blood in an open pan. You inject blood into a needle, so it's kind no, of a sealed just, vacuum. And that's just the little bit that leaked out was, like, toxic poison, basically. Or, like, and the, killing people. Or is it like she was a balloon full of, like, poison gas, and as soon as you pricked it, just... <laughs> but she was alive. That was the thing. I know, I know. I just mean, like, like that was the, that little hole yeah. in her skin was all the... It's needed. an X-Files episode, basically. That's interesting. So, the county health department called in the California Department of Health and Human Services 
uh, they put two scientists on the case to try to figure out what happened. Oh my god, this is the best sci-fi, they, this they, best X-Files yeah, episode ever. They interviewed 34 hospital staff who have been working there. They found that people who had developed severe symptoms such as loss of consciousness, shortness of breath, and muscle spasms tended to have a few certain things in common. People who had worked within two feet of Ramirez and had handled her intravenous lines had been at high risk. One victim, Nurse Krasinski, after the exposure, she spent two weeks in the intensive care unit with breathing problems. Jesus. She developed hepatitis and a vascular necrosis. No, this in is her not knees. real. This is. It's true. And doctors have no explanation for this. Well, her case was the basis for one scene of the, the X Files. Oh, cool. It was also in Grey's Anatomy. And a segment on a show on Discovery Channel. Wait, do they do the same plot at X-Files where it's like, she's an alien baby donut carrier. <laughs> and then Grace Anatomy was like, this lady smells real bad. She smells like steamy. Garlic. Do you want to go out? And that was the Grace Anatomy episode. It's like, P-U. <laughs> Two this very different takes of the bad. same story, yes. There's also a third episode of a show called Weird or What? <laughs> and also the Stink Bomb segment of the animated film Memories and an episode of Law & Order. Wait, Man, I want to see that Law & Order wait, episode. no, I want to see that show Weird or What Is. And what, it sounds so janky. What was that? Weird or what? What was that? So, here's, there's a possible theory. It's really interesting. Okay. Livermore Labs, which was the scientific firm that was investigating it, postulated that Ramirez had been using this thing called dimethyl sulfoxide, which is a solvent, like just uh, like a home solvent, as a home remedy for pain. So basically she had been eating solvent, and they found it in her blood. I'm sorry, why am I, what is solvent? Solvent, is it's like a cleaning supply. Okay. That's... But it apparently has some narcotic effects. So she was creating a meth lab in her body. She was eating solvent for her pain. The users of the substance report that it has a garlic-like taste, right? So that might have accounted why she had, like, oil. Like, when you eat too much Cheetos, out. your blood becomes Cheetos. Exactly. So, they then theorized that this must have built up in her system because she had a urinary blockage. Oh. And then, oh. the oxygen administered by the paramedics would have combined with this solvent to form a compound called dimethyl sulfone. Uh, that is known to crystallize at room temperature, and those are the crystals that were seen in the drawn blood. So you're telling me that you can make like stealth bombs in a hotel, in a hospital, like you yes, can- but only if these this exact circumstances happen. So it turned into these crystals, right? And then when they administered the electric shocks to try to bring her back to life, that converted the DMSO2, the crystals, into dimethyl sulfate, which is a powerful poisonous gas. You see Star Trek Into Darkness? You know how you know yeah. how the guy who's not Khan is like. I made this substance just combined with water and it becomes this hydrated. Like that <laughs> yeah. ring thing that the dumb guy from Doctor Who uses to blow up a building. Yeah. That's like a con invention of eat, eat this solvent. <laughs> Have your daughter eat this solvent. I'm trying to be Benedict. Have your daughter eat this solvent <laughs> and then go into the hospital. <laughs> or it's tell like them the you need bomb. tell them you need medical attention and, and then stitch this cell phone into your belly. And I will save your other daughter. <laughs> Forget how that worked. <laughs> that's that's nuts. I actually I'm on board. If if the science checks out on that, that's so I mean, I guess what's it's better than the alternative, right? Because if the other alternative is she was the new plague carrier for like a zombie outbreak, something from that's how The Last of Us starts, right? Like, let's be real talk for a second. All of our hospitals need to start building themselves for the preparation that at some point in the next couple of centuries, someone's going to come in with the new Black Plague and take out the East yep. Coast. On like, purpose. The way, the way we look at viruses and how they're evolving and just constantly be like, nope, you ain't going to get me. You ain't going to give me vaccines. Like, everyone who comes into a hospital should be put in. This is my fu- idea of a future hospital. Follow me. You uh-huh. go into the emergency room of a hospital or you've been delivered by a van. You go in. Your entrance into the hospital is like a small permeated plastic bubble with like a chair, right? Uh-huh. As soon as you enter, you're dealing with someone on the other side of the, the screen. They're like, hey, what is your problem? My finger hurts. Okay, move on. What What is your problem? I'm having a baby. Okay, we know where to take you. What's going on? Uh, I don't know. I'm sweating yellow liquids. Okay. So like you're already in a sealed container already because everyone is. Yeah. And you, they move you. Like they're like, okay. And like just something moves the sheeted cube like... 
to another part of the hospital where you're instantly locked in a quarantine mm-hmm. and now everyone's okay and then even if you're not okay you're like my finger hurts like really your finger hurts yeah my finger hurts and then when they get to you like also oh, i've been puking yellow bile they're like what like that doesn't you're get out of here you're already locked well then down. what do you do they just incinerate you well no they're already you're already <laughs> locked down at least so like whoever's gotten contaminated can be taken out the problem with every like infection story is always that every like plague outbreak now is hospitals are giant crowded train stations right i mean unless you're already like i'm sick something's weird about me they don't put you in an isolation they bring you into like a giant room where there's 30 other people and their families just hanging out over christmas break i came down with a an illness right before i went into the airport likewise and it was so awful because not only was i the sickest i've ever been in my life but i was then just put in this compressed air tube mm-hmm. where i knew i was infecting everyone else coming back to los they need, angeles they need to put everyone on a plane in plastic bags so here plastic I, it bags was with air tubes but here's the thing i was in alberta canada which you may recognize from episode four <laughs> of paranoia shop where they heard the strange noises but anyway i was up there investigating and then I came back, I knew I had picked up H1N1 virus, the avian flu, because they had just had a huge outbreak in Alberta that was on the news, and I was having all of the symptoms. I bring it back, I infect everyone on the plane. Why didn't you stop? And Because I, didn't wanna, I did not want to stay in Alberta, Canada one more hour. So I came that's back, we, right? So, and then like that's a, self, I, that's a selfish decision. And then three weeks later, three weeks later, uh, there's a huge outbreak of H1N1 in Los Angeles. You just admitted to like <laughs> global terrorism. <laughs> I feel bad. But yeah, you should. Like people that I know, think were of like the, I have H1N1. Think now. of the billions of dollars of revenue that was like lost in our government from all the people who had to take days off that created the cascade. I am because you were like I don't want to stay. In I this am the cl- WHO's like nightmare. Yeah. I am patient zero. Guys, if you're sick, like Aaron. Let me tell you a story. Unless you have more okay. than the toxic lady. No, that that's the toxic lady. She, she died. <laughs> that's the end of that one. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, all right, let me tell. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just end all of our stories with she died? She died. She died. Moving on. Uh, this is another suggestion from Matt M. Matt M. Killed it. All right, I'm just challenging right now. Like Matt M. If you want to just be our dude, if you just want to be, be our, our guy, like, send us be our all of them. direct guy, and we just talk about you all the time. That can be it. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like Matt M. Else? Is like our deep throat. Matt M. Is getting it on the reg right now. I'm not saying like he's the our deep throat like the porn movie deep throat. Yeah, yeah. That's the, like, I was like, wait, I, I, want to, I want to ignore that. I was like, Aaron. He's, he's like our deep throat in the Watergate scandal. He's the secret guy. Okay. No, yeah, follow, yeah, yeah. He sounds, there's also there was probably like ten other guys who wanted to tell him, but like they got to the they got to that parking garage late. <laughs> like after there was, there was like another guy who knew all about it. And he's like, he sees Deep Throat having a conversation with his reporters, like, oh, like the guy that's talking to Bob Woodward or whatever is not actually Deep Throat, but just some guy in a trench coat that was hanging in a parking lot and just started like, like, so what do you want? Well, there to was tell like five about? dudes who were like, we can all go and tell those reporters, right? And then they all raced. But what to if, get what, there? but what if like the informant was just some crazy homeless guy who happened to be in that parking Happen, lot and happened to be right? And, the, and Bob Woodward, the reporter, comes up and is like, so what do you have to tell me about Nixon? I have Nixon. Nixon. Nixon, bur- Nixon is uh, burning the hotels down. He's uh, he's a spy. Spy. He's listening to all of us. Okay. <laughs> anyway, 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 anyway. Right, this is a story of Chip Chan, or otherwise known as Vera Chip Chan. I saw Chip a few. Chan. This is a hard story to follow because it starts on 4chan's X board, which is for paranormal, creepy stuff like that. Most of just guys who try to scare each other, right? So this uh, came from the 4chan. This came from the 4chan in that they were on a thread uh, monitoring unprotected random video feeds oh yeah i've 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 heard of those there's like there's whole threads yeah i've totally i totally. No, i mean there's there's whole threads dedicated to people that are just like hey you just want to peek into someone's life right and they're just kind of stumbling and across just random like, ones they'll just be hundreds of unprotected video feeds where you can just click to like a baby monitor or yeah it's the panda cam and the berlin zoo yeah which is just fascinating like, it's a fascinating slice of life to this voyeuristic look at someone's like everyday life right so they were just kind of scanning across random threads yeah uh, found a picture or found a uh, a shot inside this girl's apartment in South Korea oh. and after several hours people are insisting like she hasn't moved at all she's sleeping very uncomfortably in a in a weird way she hasn't moved at all i think she's I think she's dead. So it just kind of created that. Like that was all you needed to jump on board and start following this girl. Okay, right? so that, that's that the, got, that's that the seat. The momentum that's going. the seat of it. Eventually, she gets up and scratches her knee. And everyone's like, "Oh," but then she starts acting very strange. 
Uh, she must obviously these girls have these people have webcams they know they have webcams in their house it's not like stealth webcams she uh, starts hiding behind signs and moving to her computer and start interacting like oh she's back but all of her signs are in Korean uh-huh. uh, and she also starts interacting with the people in the stream so she must have had an access to like a chat room kind of thing people started trying to translate these signs that were written in Korean Ooh, and so it's like an alternative reality game it sounds so much like an alternative reality yeah. game it just need, one of the signs needs to be translated as Halo 5 coming out like so and so it's hard for people to translate because the, the images are very blurred it's a low res webcam and there's just these giant signs all around the house let me mention right now you can still find this feed this feed's been going on for years and years, 13 years, I believe. The signs around her apartment said phrases that were best guessed translated to, you can't make the person unconscious only 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. Or other what? signs translated to, don't get tricked, don't get fooled. Oh man. Early every morning, if someone comes that paralyzes the person, I can't be stopped. Oh. Uh, so some people thought they were warning signs. People watching. That's creepy, man. Uh, I'll kind of, I'll kind of cut it. Yeah, so was she, so was she crazy or was she a, it, a hostage? It sure appears to be crazy because here's the part you haven't gotten. She seems to be a near total shut-in. She has said to her fans, people watching her, that in 1999, a group of officers captured her and put a CPU chip or a Vera chip in her ankle, which triggers strange acts. Basically, what? Basically, a policeman uh, put a chip in her ankle and can control when she sleeps. She refers to the police as P and how she <laughs> is under like kind of the rule of P right wow, she so has, she's crazy she's crazy her so doors like are completely blocked by like bottles of water and like not even garbage just like hordes of food um, boxes the video of her leaving her house shows her by the way she has like weird red strings all over the house wow um, she's essentially moving 100 to 150 pounds of boxes and bottles and and food out of her door frame to get past it like she's kind of like living like a like mm -hmm. a rat in this weird maze of things but i mean is there any evidence that maybe she was telling the truth uh the best evidence against that i've seen she constantly talks about how policemen are always like monitor or p this this guy p named p, is monitoring, letter p is monitoring her and controlling her when she sleeps and she's kind of a, uh -huh. a victim to it someone believes to have found uh based on her like ip and camera where she is in south korea and posted oh guys she's right next to a police station oh my god so she might be like looking out her window and seeing police people and be like those are the people and then she looks out the window and then through the window the is p saying no one will believe you oh that's so creepy her house she sits just kind of stationary looking into a laptop. She, it's just like her on the floor surrounded the by floor like these dozens of pages written so in Korean. Let's watch Chip Chan right now. Okay, so there's... Wow, there's just like a pile of bottles. One of her shots is... Uh, I think that's Gogurt. One of the shots is <laughs> just, what appears to be a door. She loves and a pyramid of Gogurt and water bottles. The other camera seems to be disabled currently right now, but it's it's just a shot-in person's house. Wow. Uh, it's weird. It's not. A, it's not at all crazy that the internet would just latch onto a random person and try to. But still, that reduce. like that. I I was like, this is. I don't know. Get it. And then I saw those images, and it seemed like something out of an alternative reality game. I mean, it just imagine anyone in those hoarder shows. Yeah. Suddenly having an audience who's not trying to watch them because a show was built around their life being dangerous. Wow. Where they like whatever you have to say to us, we want to know. Just barely. What if like someone's watching this feed? And like all the four channers have like given up on her, and one person's watching her feed, and then you just see like a police officer come in come and she's and sleeping, just, and just like he puts a remote and she starts just moving like a puppet. Yeah, or like he checks like her ankle where she says the chip is, and then like puts a new one in and leaves. <laughs> that would be fucking terrifying. <laughs> yeah, and she she just activates, or like he pushes a button and out of her ankle crawls a tiny demon. <laughs> And then he just he just turns to the camera and then shuts it off, and, and it goes back to a feed of her sitting on the floor, like obviously doctor bleeding out. Yeah. Oh god. Okay. Uh, I, it's I it, it's mostly just this is one where you should just check it out. Look up her feeds. It's visually very creepy. To visually watch. very creepy. It's mostly because each of these all look like they're just the scene of a dead person, like a murder scene. Yeah. Like, oh, this girl's hidden here. Right, well, that's, thank that's, you, that's, Matt M. Yeah, that, thank you, Matt M. That, that, that was the last chain. of his uh, suggestions, um, and that they were all very fascinating. I have one more fan suggestion. This one is a little bit interactive, which we've gotten from a few people, but one in particular was Tin Todd, a.k.a. at JunkFed. He tweeted at us, Great show. Would love to hear you cover numbers stations. I thought you were going to say, Love to hear about numbers 
tell, tell me us about, about numbers. Tell me about numbers. Not that kind of podcast. No, number stations are actually fascinating. Do you know anything about n- number uh, stations, Chad? I'm going to guess it's something from Lost. Actually, it's Lost... It's similar to the number station of like putting in codes, because I would not... Lost does reference them, but very poorly. Like, it's not a good... Are we talking about the, the station where the numbers run to push a button? Yes. Yeah. A number station... These are real things, by the way. Okay, no, not Just imagine you're like in your on your shortwave radio, right? Mm-hmm. And then, of course, like I do every night. Yeah, you're doing your ham, ham radio, and then <clears throat> all of a sudden you just you tune into a frequency uh, that you haven't that normally is just all static, and then suddenly you just hear this weird repeating eight, phrase two, over one. and over again. Eight, two, one. Eight. Because that's exactly what they are. They're mysterious shortwave radio station broadcasts. Uh, They're often by artificially generated voices reciting streams of numbers, words, letters, tunes, or Morse code. And they're transmitted in shortwave areas around the globe. And no one knows for sure what the hell they're for. But there are some that have continually broadcast for almost 90 years. Okay, I already have so many questions. Okay. Can I go? Sure. We know these are signals. You can pick up these signals. Yes. Just sequences AM of radio signals. Have we found these towers or transmitters at all? No. I thought we had the technology at this point to pretty much like locate where radio signals were coming from based on the strength and like you could just kind we of do. GPS locate where they're from. We do, but it's in the hands of the military. And the military disavows all knowledge of number stations. Wait. Some amateurs have tried to triangulate, but I'll get into that a little okay, bit later. Okay, sorry, okay. That's, that was just my first thing. Like, sure. oh, these are things. Like, we should find them. So, basically, on, people. to give you a little more background, in the 1960s, Time Magazine reported that the number stations first appeared shortly after World War II Five, and were imitating a format that had been used to send weather data during the war. But, however, some number stations have been reported since World War One. If accurate, that would count number stations as among the earliest radio broadcasts that have Hmm. continued to go since then. Hmm. It's widely assumed that these broadcasts transmit covert messages to spies, although it's never been officially acknowledged by any government that may operate a number station. How we consider that sometimes they're just a guy yelling really loudly. It would be like if a guy yelled really loudly into a tape recorder and then set that tape recorder on loop for 90 years. So generally, number stations follow a basic format. Transmissions usually begin every hour or half hour on the hour. So they're not continuous. They reset and then they broadcast. Then there's the prelude or introduction, which is the call-up of the transmission, from which each station gets an informal nickname. So each one is different, Mm -hmm. right? Right, they're all sending different signals. Right. So this can take the form of a numeric or radio alphabet code name, like Charlie, India, Oscar, or 250250, or 690-0-5-4. Or sometimes there's characteristic phrases like attention, or octong, or ready, ready. Or and that'll be the start of the phrase. Yeah, or sometimes they'll just be creepy samples of audio that they start it with. Let me play for you a few examples of actual number stations that people have just like tuning on their radio and have recorded. Okay. The most famous of them is one called the Lincolnshire Poacher. Sounds and, friendly. Love the Lincolnshire Poacher. And this Poacher. is found, they can't quite pinpoint it, but they think it actually is being broadcast from Cyprus. But take a listen to this is the Lincolnshire Poacher. Oh, God. It's like an ice cream truck. This is terrifying. Five, eight, eight. Three, nine, seven, what a lovely voice. Five, three, so that's the Lincolnshire Poacher. Okay, so un- instantly these are already spy codes. These are instantly already spy codes. Yeah. So that And that's like an old British folk song called the Lincolnshire Poacher, and that's why they call that one that. Doesn't it? I mean, I'm just trying to think of like the spy, obviously old, like reading old World War II era and around that time, or even World War I, like spy tactics, crazy. Just nuts the things that they were getting away with with limited technology and just kind of yeah. tricking each other with like balloons and radio signals and, mm-hmm. and letters inside of boxes and whatever they wanted. I'm just trying to rationalize for a second. If you're trying to send out a signal that your spy can get. Yeah. But I guess if it's a short range signal, you don't have to worry about that many people intercepting, right? The spy just needs to know where to go. 
Yeah, the idea is that a spy, and this is just postulated by fans, the idea is that a spy would have what's called like a one-time code. It's called a one-time pad, which is a specific encryption key that could only be used once in correspondence with one of these number stations. And so it, depending on, he can decrypt certain messages and then throw it away and it's never- Well, right, no, the whole idea is that if you have like a, a codex, right? All you need is just a new exactly. password, like 02588, mm -hmm. and you can go and like match up to your codex and now suddenly you have a new word or a new exactly. way to unlock phrases or-, or So or that's whatever. that's the leading theory. But before we get too much into that, let me just play for you a few other of these. Because okay. yeah. they some of them are fucking crazy. Okay. The Lincolnshire Poacher, people believe that the British Intelligence Service, MI6, uses that one. Yankee Hotel Foxtrot is another famous one. Yankee Hotel Foxtrot Yankee Yankee Hotel Foxtrot Foxtrot Stop it. You're making, uh, Stop it. Is this just repeat forever? No, and then it goes into a string of codes. So it's interesting. So the, 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 the patterns staying the same and then it's changing. But now it's saying like Oscar, Tango. This is creeping me real out, dude. This is just, <laughs> I know, I know, I know in my heart that it's some sort of like spy code, right? That's the only reason you ever use that, but Jesus. Okay. But so you may recognize that title Yankee Hotel Foxtrot because a popular Wilco album. Yeah which uh, was in like the top 500 albums of all time, according to Rolling Stone, was named after that and even samples it because <laughs> the lead singer of Wilco became obsessed with number stations, oh, just I'm... like me. This next one is one of my favorites. It's called Yosemite Sam. Mm, please tell me this is so, what I think it is. Just, just play it. Is it Rascal Vasco Varmints? What? <laughs> Why? So that repeats that. Marmots, I'm gonna blow you to smithereens. That's a bomb warning. Yeah, that's a bomb warning. But that's been on repeat for like 40 years in the middle of the southwest United States. The best they've they've been able to pinpoint it is Albuquerque, New Mexico, and people have made a big deal about that because Yosemite Sam's mm. longtime nemesis, Bugs Bunny, says. I must have taken a wrong turn on Albuquerque. I know that seems like all right. I get that that's like smart, but that means that means the spies have a meeting at some point where they're like, okay, so we're gonna give you quotes from obscure quotes from from Looney, from Tunes. Looney Tunes. You need to then figure out like based on the clues we're giving you, whatever town that they are in, what other character from that franchise has a relation to that city, and get there. But then also beat Albuquerque. So I that, guess if you're in Albuquerque, I think it's a bomb. It's a bomb warning. It could be a bomb warning. Some people have speculated it could be drug cartels, too, which would tie in the whole Breaking Bad thing. Oh, oh, sorry. Like, this is drug cartels are using it to communicate drug drops. Like, like a, oh my god, like a drug? Oh my god, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great, though? Like, if a drug lord could send out details by different Looney Tunes phrase, and his, <laughs> and his men listen to it, and like, oh, that shipment we're sending out? We're killing those guys. If you assume Sam. <laughs> if, he if, hear, if he hears, suffer and suck attack. Yeah, yeah. If it's, if it's like, let me at him. Let me at him. It's like you're supposed to intimidate him a little bit. If it's, I taught a taught a pudding cat. If it's, if it's Atlantia, you have to run, get you the have fuck to run, out, of there. Get out of there. This is an amazing system. I want to be a yeah. drug lord just to be the Looney Tunes guy. And they call you, oh my god, they call you Elmer Fudd. They call you Fudd. No, they call you Fudd. <laughs> Fudd. Fudd. Uh, Fudd fucks with no man. <laughs> so the last one I have is is called the Attention Station, which will uh, become relevant in a second. I'll show you. But just go ahead and play this one. This is kind of cool because actually it's a video of someone. AM radio as they recorded it. So it's just a string of numbers in Spanish. And then it goes, Atención. And then starts saying Spanish numbers again. That last one, the Atención broadcast, was really interesting because it was one of the few instances where our government came forward, but it was the U.S government coming forward and saying we think the attention one is the cubans trying to send cuban spies messages in american soil so the government acknowledges that number stations are potentially dangerous yes but this is a, the one, the one that we don't have the US which means said, that the other ones were theirs well all the governments are apparently using them so they created a case against Cuban spies in America because you can hear that one near Cuba in okay. like the Key West area. And they actually translated, they were able to crack the code. How? 
How? You always dig a cipher. U.S. government, okay. man. They okay. figured it out. <laughs> they figured it out. Okay. So they, they were able to crack the code on three messages that were sent via that attention what? number station. What? Uh, and they what did they say? And they used this in evidence to prosecute Cubans. What did they say? Okay, so this is number one. It was 68 characters long, and it said, quote, Prioritize and continue to strengthen friendship with Joe and Dennis. Wow. So that was one. Wow. That's scary. Two. <clears throat> Under no circumstances should agents German nor Castor fly with BTTR or another organization on days 24, 25, 26, and 27. What? Say not to fly? So BTTR is the anti-Castro airborne group called Brothers to the Rescue. That means they were going to get like, taken out or something. Assumingly. And then the third one. Congratulate all the female comrades for International Day of the Woman. And this was sent on March 8th, which was International Women's Day. What? What? <laughs> what? Isn't that crazy? How did we? I just want to know how they figured it out. I mean, it's the don't government. Know. The government has know, like, like teams. They just they just threw words against the wall they, for the cipher to try to figure it out. What it would I be. think they have a data bank of like uh, psychics, like in Minority Report <laughs> or Command and Conquer. Yes, that they just put these brains in vats and oh, are able to use shit. those to, like Enigma machines. I think the honestly, most that's pretty freaky. The most important thing is. It's kind of like when a government acknowledges one of them, like, why aren't you guys acknowledging the other ones? That means it's not like they don't know about those other ones. Well, I I don't think the government meant to acknowledge it. It was just this was in like this huge case where they were indicting Cuban spies. And in one little footnote, they're like, hold up. Holy fuck! Did you just acknowledge that number stations were real? And they're like, um, uh, the Cubans are doing it. I, I, I can't. I gotta imagine this is something that we could mobilize as people. Like, imagine the fucking rush of using triangulation to figure out where the hell these things are. Yeah. Because they have to be, they can't be underground, right? Like, you can't send a signal, like, buried no. deep. The radio towers all have to be somewhat visible. Well, what they are is, as far as everyone can tell, they're broadcast from really tiny, really strong, shortwave AM broadcasters, which are, like, basically boxes no bigger than, like, a computer. And they're very simple technology. And since they're one way, it's very useful to spies, even modern, like today, it's much easier to track like IP addresses and stuff. And sure. like, okay, this guy has like crazy spy gear on him. But if, if someone's just carrying like an AM radio headset, that they can't arrest a spy because he has heads, earbuds in his ear. So you're saying the the government still sends out a message from a very specific location. The spy knows to come by there, gets his code. Because basically analog's better than digital. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I mean, hey, Battlestar Galactica, they like they beat the Cylons because the Battlestar had the old systems. Exactly. And that's, the virus it, couldn't arrest It's about beating Battlestar Galactica Cylons. Wow. that's But like I was trying to say, why don't we... Let's fucking find these things, man. Let's find them. I don't think anyone's ever found one. They just think that they that's, know it's like from Albuquerque. That's like, terrifying though, to not be able to find those radio transmitters. Yeah. So there's been a few references in mass media, like like Lost, like you mentioned. Also, Fringe has an episode about them, obviously, as does the series Scandal, for you Scandal <laughs> fans out there. Wait, there's a plot in Scandal? Apparently. About, well, now I'm watching Scandal. And The Americans, uh, the band, as I mentioned before, Wilco has its album Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. They actually were sued by the person who recorded that particular number station because he, he sampled it without their permission. Oh, my God. And, it, and there's a huge legal battle like who owns number stations if they're just these anonymous transmissions I mean couldn't they have gone and gotten that same number stations recording or is it no longer able to be gotten like, uh, I think it's hard to get them unless you live in the area and I think the Wilco guy was just lazy if you guys are interested in by the way uh, in hearing all these and more there's hundreds of them I highly recommend you check out the Conet Project. That's C-O-N-E-T. It's a five-CD compilation of all known number stations from around the world, and there's hundreds of them. There's even one that's like that samples uh, a song called "Magnetic Fields," um, which is a like a UK synth pop group. But yeah, it's it's crazy. Wow. Um, let's they, make our, let's make our own number station. Dude. I'd love to. Wait, how the do FCC do that? would be like getting on our ass. I think. Well, if they don't know where it is. There was one point in 1998. When a an, an investigator from the Daily Telegraph spoke to a, a spokesperson from the Department of Trade and Industry, which is sort of like the UK's FCC, 
and it's someone whose specific job was to deal with uh, regulating radio broadcasts in the United Kingdom. And this person's like, hey, what's the deal with these number stations? And then the person, I guess, sp- spoke out of turn instead of like disavowing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, said, she, the she, she just was like, these number stations are what you suppose they are. People shouldn't be mystified with them. <gasps> and they are we- not for, shall we say, pump public consumption. No, she did not. That's what I, I quote. And then we never saw her they ever again. They are not for public consumption. So don't eat them. All right. Yeah. I already figured out what our what our number station is. What's that? I really want to like. I really want to make this. If you put it in L.A., I think maybe people's gonna freak out. Just put it in L.A. and like just let it cover like Hollywood and Vine. Just, oh like, my God, it's like geocaching, but old it's like school. geocaching, like old school. Geoc- and you just hope and you just wait. All you do is you just sit back and you just wait for like five years. Okay. I'm gonna close your eyes. This is what this is what it's going to be. Okay, close your eyes. Your eyes closed. All right, my eyes are closed for you listening at home to this. Somebody <laughs> told me the world is gonna roll me. People just think that this is just the worst radio station ever. No, it just it just and it goes. Victor, Victor, <laughs> Echo, Echo. Some November, November. Somebody once told me that it just loops over but and over. What's funny is like there's gonna be some some person who's like a huge Smash Mouth fan that will think they just found the best radio station ever and will have their radio permanently tuned to that and <laughs> just listen to it on the loop. <laughs> Can we? On, I am legitimately serious. Paranoia let's, let's shoppers. Get, paranoia get, shoppers. Paranoia shop. Can we please look into doing this? I will put it in my apartment and send it out. I'll find like a building that we can plug it onto the top of and plug into like an antenna, power antenna. I don't. That would be fucking amazing. That would be amazing. You change it like every month. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm getting, I'm getting an erection just thinking about this. <laughs> So those are number stations. I think they're awesome, but I would say let's definitely do the Smash Mouth. <laughs> I'm legitimately into that idea. Smash Mouth. Every like every like Tango, couple months we get bravo. one of our female friends to record. Just like yeah, make it Russian. Maybe too. we could go on Reddit and find like a cryptographer and find someone who would be willing to like. Oh my god, we can actually make real. We can, we're gonna fucking start putting number messages into our podcast. Oh my god. We we actually get a cryptographer and start putting them in our podcast. Let's do it right now because right that now. was the last thing that I had. Let's do it right now. <laughs> well, guys, that's uh, the end of this fan ruled episode. Yeah. If you guys didn't like the episode, your fault. It's fine. You guys ruled the roost on this. You one. should have sent better fan mail or kept the other fan mail from getting. I'll, it's, it's your awesome. fault for not sending more, which we encourage you to do. This is just volume one, and we're going to start peppering them throughout. Uh, the episode. Any tweets you send us, any suggestions, we're going to call you out on the air. And, like, let, and let me just say, if you're looking uh, to interact more with us, besides our normal social medias, again, on Twitter, at Paranoia Shop, personally on me, I'm at Quantum Theory, and Aaron is at Good Aaron, and our email is uh, ParanoiaShop at gmail.com. If you really want to help the show, uh, go on iTunes. I know that sounds crazy. Go on iTunes and rate the Explosive Magical feed, Paranoia Shop feed. Give it a rating. I know that sounds so stupid and so dumb. Yeah, give us five a, stars. Give it, us a nice little It helps review. out a ton. It really actually does. I've seen podcasts like featured on the front of iTunes with like six ratings. I want to be on AV Club's podcast. Oh, God. Podcast. I want to be on Podmas. But anyway, Sorry, guys, anyway. thanks for listening. We love this. We do this for you. So we love hearing from you. Send in your suggestions, your tweets, your hate mail, your fan mail, your love mail, your pictures, your extra spooky stories you want us to feature. And uh, on that, we're going to leave you with uh, a few more maybe secret messages from yours truly in the royal we. (laughs) Enjoy. (laughs) Echo. Tango. Alpha. Bravo. Dumbo. Wicker. 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 Okay.